0: Welcome to The Reality Revolution. I'm your host, Brian Scott. We're going to read some more of U.S. Anderson today. Previously on the channel, we've read a couple of books by U.S. Anderson. Of course, there's three magic words, which is absolutely amazing. And it was such a joy to read that. There's another one of his books that I love, The Magic... In your mind. We've covered this a little bit. We had an episode called The Hidden Cause of All Things, but I wanted to read a chapter from this book, The Greatest Magic of All. It deals with the imagination and the power of thought in only the way that U.S. Anderson could. U.S. Anderson was an amazing post-New Thought writer that wrote about the Law of Attraction as well as a variety of other topics. And I really enjoy his teachings. He really was a big believer in the universal mind. And he applied this teaching in everything he did. The greatest magic of all. Mechanistic notions of life are all too prevalent in society today. Most people believe a thing is what it is because of being made out of by and from other things and most of us are intent on moving this thing by hand as if fancying ourselves chess players and life, the board and the pieces the things we are concerned with all too soon we find we are opposed by an inscrutable and ruthless opponent and our end is inevitable we have concerned ourselves with only the surface aspect of the game and such a viewpoint never can fathom life's Nuances and Real Significance Immortal Hand and Eye Material concepts of existence wind up depressingly sterile. For after the complex machinery of the human body is reduced to its tiniest cell, still the animating presence is not found. Nothing is there but the yawning abyss of a dead and unheeding universe to greet the material researcher. The form of a thing suits its function and its function suits its purpose. And inherent in each is a complex and highly intelligent design, far surpassing anything yet possible to the surface mind of man. It is not so much the form that we must be concerned with, but the idea that lies behind form, the intelligent purpose that gives that form perfect function. Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night, what immortal hand or eye could frame Thy Fearful Symmetry, William Blake Witness the pacing of the sleek and powerful tiger in the cages of a zoo and you know at once that you are seeing a creature consummately designed for a specific function without a wasted motion without a spare or useless part Examine the myriad geometrical designs of snowflakes and you become immediately aware that behind creation lies a supreme mathematical mind a million-fold more comprehending than that of the most erudite of scientists, the ordered spinning of the planets in space, the arrangement of solar systems in the universe, the design of the atom, the deep and inscrutable mystery of animation. Surely we are blind if we fail to recognize the working of a supreme intelligence, guiding, molding, directing with purpose. Out of the infinite plastic creativeness of this intelligence have all things sprung. It makes all fashions, everything from itself. Man does not hold the fate of the universe in his hands. That fate is safe and sure in the hands of its creator. And that creator has incarnated in man all of its potentiality and power. The ends of evolution were assured long before man arrived upon the earthly scene. They were assured from the very beginning that intelligence of sufficient scope to have within it the power to originate the concepts of space and time and matter, to create the countless forms of life and animate them with its own presence, surely would not in any crisis abdicate, give over control to one of its partially developed and fractionally aware creations. This, however, is the conclusion that some of our thinkers have come to those at least who believe that man controls the universe and his own destiny, the material man, the surface man, the ego-centered, partially aware man. Steps Among the Stars There is a hidden cause of all things, hidden because it is not visible, invisible because it takes no special form, fits no special description. It lies eternally and omnisciently, behind the consciousness of every living thing, and it determines all fates, all consequences, all conflicts and resolutions. It is not thwarted in a single aspect of its being or purpose. There are within it no loose ends, no unresolved conflicts. It is universal mind, divine intelligence, the secret self, that animates every living thing. It is as large as infinity. There are no limits upon its capabilities or powers and it resides completely and entirely within you. Hidden, though it be from your surface mind, it is your own immortal self. This is the self whose steps are visible in the stars, in the infinitesimal and complex design of the germinating seed, in the color and grandeur and bustling energy of evolving life. It brings all forms into existence, crumbles and dissipates them when the idea behind them has been expressed. It is the soul being, the one mind, the solitary life, the only true presence, the one real self in existence, immortal, never born, never dying. The infinite sides of its manifold nature are expressed on the stage of life, and each of its creations contains within it all the essence and power and intelligence of the Creator, each has within it the secret self. Life Taps Us on the Shoulder What good is it, a man sometimes asks, to have a self that is so far beyond your comprehension that isn't even that you that you've always thought yourself to be? There is a very great deal of good. If you focus yourself in the surface mind, then the dimensions of life are forever hidden from you. You do not know where you came from and you do not know where you're going. You even wonder if one day you might suddenly cease to be You cannot fathom the billions of miles of distance to the nearest star of the billions of years since the Earth first swung into orbit around the Sun. You cannot see the mind of another person, understand what animates a living being, comprehend the purpose of life. All is mystery. All dwarfs the little ego, which literally cannot see beyond its own nose and grasps, even that but vaguely. Unless we are as uncomprehending as cows in the field. We cannot help but be sick when we live focused in the ego. The world is just too big. Fear and futility and guilt and frustration are our daily lot. When we are small and inadequate, and know that we are small and inadequate, we may be mice and roar like lions, but we will soon know that we are mice if we live absorbed in the ego. Life taps each man on the shoulder, He either listens or he gets knocked down. No individual reigns supreme. We're all part and parcel of one mind, one self, one supreme intelligence. And inasmuch as we understand this transforming fact, that intelligence enters completely into us and possesses us and uses us for its work in the world, so that we perform to the zenith of our human capabilities. Tunnel Vision Implicitly in the universe is... First cause, original impetus, and this first cause is a primal intelligence from which all things have sprung. It is involved in expressing itself and the result is the infinite variety and design of life, the endless series of evolving forms that inhabit the world. Each form is not a separate creation of the original intelligence but rather is an expression of it, so that there dwells in each the original intelligence itself masquerading as the form of and limited to that extent, but in essence, remaining infinite and eternal and omniscient. You are not the limited surface self and ego that you have always fancied yourself to be, but you are that very primal intelligence that has manifested all the forms of the universe. Reflection on the nature of intelligence and consciousness reveals why this is so. When our attention is focused upon a certain thing, inasmuch as our absorption is complete, we become the thing that has our attention. This tunnel vision quality of consciousness is responsible for the remarkable phenomenon of hypnosis. Where hypnosis is deep and consciousness may be directed toward a single object, subject becomes object and does not know himself in any other way. If told that he is a duck, he quacks and waddles. If told that he is a bear, he growls. If told that he is a statesman, he delivers orations. He knows himself only as a duck when a duck, only as a bear when a bear, only as a statesman when a statesman. Surely universal intelligence itself must be so absorbed in each of its manifestations, becoming the thing it has become with complete amnesia for its true state and all other manifestations of its nature. This is why we do not know what we truly are and become the thing that our consciousness is focused upon conceptual universe it would seem that universal mind or primal intelligence has the ability to become anything it would become or rather that its inherent nature is to become anything that takes root within it as idea as thought the existence of this universal mind must be purely mental chief and perhaps solely its activity is thought it is thinking and each of its thoughts is manifested as a form in the material world Each thought contains within it all of the intelligence of the thinker so that a thought is a thing capable of developing other thoughts. Thus, if a man is a thought in the mind of an eternal thinker, then all of the intelligence of that eternal thinker is latent in the man. And thus, the seed of liberation from a directed and focused consciousness is implicit in each of us. We can, in effect, become anything, do anything, Since behind our focused awareness lies a universal and omniscient mind, the seed of all possibilities lies within us. Short arm needs man to reach heaven, so ready is heaven to stoop to him. Francis Thompson The metaphysical aspects of the relationship of universal mind with your own surface mind must be grasped in some manner before it is possible to free yourself from bondage the sensual reaction and slavery to circumstance. It is perfectly all right to admonish a sufferer from circumstance to think positively, but all too often he has not the resources within him to accomplish this, any more than he is able to take arms against the physical events that attacks him. It takes a wealth of spiritual resource to produce the courage necessary to free the soul from bondage to the surface self, and it takes a heap of courage to sustain one on that leap into the void of absolute freedom that comes with complete reliance on the secret self. Generally speaking, motives of monetary gain or personal ascendancy are simply not sufficient to produce the drive necessary to promote unity between the secret self and the surface nature. When we desire things through selfish motives, we narrow our perceptual horizons to where it is impossible for us to glimpse the vast, and powerful being that dwells within us we can be beaten into complete submission into abject humility but such cessation of the urgings of the ego is all too often temporary and when the equilibrium of our lives has been restored then the ego gathers new strength reconsiders its abdication once again takes over the life to the sorrow of the person within the only true and lasting conversion to unity with the secret self comes from possessing the facts of the mental and spiritual world we inhabit so that all mind is seen one mind all spirit world we all persons one person and such perception is not accepted on faith or belief but from a clear perception of the facts as they exist on indisputable and irrevocable proof only mental understanding through increased awareness can accomplish this the eternal thinker Life for each of us is exactly as we construe it to be, and this is the mental law under which we live. Similarly, all notions of theology and metaphysics are for each of us exactly as we construe them to be. For the ideas that take root in our consciousness determine the scope and limitation of our consciousness. In short, God is as we fancy Him to be, and we have only to change our notion of Him in order to change Him. He is idea only because He is mind, And that idea, which is the largest, the most perfect, most workable, clearest, is therefore the nearest approximation of the Godhead. Our illness is caused by the little way we are able to see, and only as we enlarge our vision, push back our horizons, are we cured. The metaphysic upon which this book is based is this. There is an eternal thinker eternally thinking, and each thought he thinks appears to be separate from him but it is not. It represents the thinker only, but not entirely, and insofar as the thought exists at all, is the thinker, though not completely. The thinker is God. The thoughts man and God has absorbed himself in the thought, but is not bound by this absorption, and may liberate himself at any time by expanding his awareness. As long as man is absorbed in the ego, he is absorbed in the thought and remains the thought, is bound by the idea that actuated him in the first place But when he lays aside his absorption In the ego Then his entrancement has begun to shatter And he is beginning to recognize Himself as God As soon as he makes any Approximation of this psychic position Whatever he has Arrived at a place Where he can change the idea That actuated his ego in the first place Where he can make himself Into an entirely different person Simply by being able to accept an entirely new and different idea about himself we must penetrate the apparent duality of life before we're able to clearly understand our oneness with the secret self there are not many different natures and beings at work in the world only one all are different aspects of this one being in each is enclosed that amount of consciousness that determines the form of the thing But the consciousness enclosed is still the consciousness of the secret self Limited and apparently separated because it is absorbed in the thing it has become And this absorption, this limitation is what we know as surface self as ego And it is the veil that separates us from knowledge of our vaster nature and true being To get rid of ego then is the thing to be done To subordinate it to the secret self To place it in proper psychic position its master and director and above all to recognize it as primarily illusion a changing thing a temporary cloud that stands between us and pure and complete unity with the divine these are the steps a novitiate must take before his works in the world are marked by power and effectiveness conditioning consciousness all lack limitation and malfunction that touches our lives is carried in our minds is literally created there because it is a product of our limited and ego-centered consciousness. We stumble because we do not see, and this condition of not seeing places the obstacle in our path. Edward Carpenter stated, it should be as easy to expel an obnoxious thought out of your mind as to shake a stone out of your shoe. But alas, it is not so. The obnoxious thought is not a thing of itself, but rather the lack of a thing, negative conditions are imperfect perceptions it is when we are not able to perceive that we falter you simply cannot turn your mind upside down and shake out something that is not there in the first place the reason the obnoxious thought exists is because the consciousness is too small and simply does not see the remedy rather than trying to cast out something that is not truly there is to expand consciousness until it can be seen that lack and limitation and malfunction only exist by virtue of imperfect mental perception. This is why there is such a great deal of failure on the part of persons who try to create positive conditions in their lives by thinking positively. Usually such positive thoughts center around money, health, love, security, inner peace. A person who lives in a constant state of apprehension is told that all he has to do To develop courage is to tell himself that he is brave. Still, no lion-hearted warrior, he. All positive statements to himself avail nothing, and he is left just as cringing and tension-filled after his self-treatment as before, perhaps more so. For now, even the little confidence he once had has been stripped away. It is simply no good telling yourself that something is white when your eyes tell you that it is black. In order for that something to become white, it must appear white and the only way it will appear white is for you to be able by psychic development to penetrate the illusion of its blackness fear is not inherent in circumstance it is inherent in our reaction to circumstance if we wish to conquer fear we must develop such knowledge and perception as enable us to see control and knowledge and perception we formerly found threatening there is nothing wrong With being afraid of a lion But if we wish to conquer that fear We are going about it the wrong way When we try to hide the fear from ourselves And step out to meet the lion In ignorance Thereby providing the beast a tasty meal The only way to conquer fear of lions Is to learn to handle lions Once we have learned to control We step out to meet the lion In perfect safety It is not strength, but art obtains the prize And to be swift is less than To be wise alexander pope the proper psychic position the single cause of all things is the secret self out of it all is made the infinite procession of animate forms is the world is a manifestation of its many-sided and eternal nature the secret self is purely mental its essence is light electricity it is signified by the enormous at balance energy in the atom by the curious invisible prison that locks molecules into certain form and gives them the shape of a tree a rock the wonderful emancipating hopeful fact is this the interaction of the secret self with its creations is the cause of evolution in the species and the cause of evolution in the individual a man can change himself make himself better by achieving proper relationship with it what is this proper relationship it is not a groveling debasement not a tearful submission not an abject resignation it is a conscious and controlled turning over of the life to a power more fitted to use and develop it than the ego of the individual the ego remains to be sure the surface mind remains but subordinated now vehicles of a greater power a vaster consciousness than directed the life before to find the proper relationship between the ego and the secret self is to discover that psychic position from which All things are possible, that vortex of energy and creativeness that makes a giant out of the most humble of men. Learn to listen. There are voices that speak within the soul. When you consciously give over direction of your life to something other than the ego, the voice of the divine becomes unmistakable. Inner sight comes with the inner voice so that you will intuitively perceive the truth in situations where formerly it was hidden mysteriously the boundaries of consciousness widen encompassing persons things situations so that you move in accord with their natures so that your actions begin to take on a kind of infallibility through being perfectly attuned with your surroundings and the persons with whom you come in contact unlocking the prison self imagination is the key that unlocks the prison of self each of us is contained within the poor four walls of his ego and it is this containment this restriction that visits our ills upon us that locks us away from the source of our power the mental essence of the secret self is imagination In one quick instant imagination can span all boundaries all space all time man the physical animal is only an infinitesimal creature struggling in the gigantic abyss of time and space but man the mental being has the same stature as the universe itself for his mind can perceive all and understand all the very structure of matter and life imagination propels him into such understanding imagination is his link with the secret self john maysfield wrote man consists of body mind and imagination his body is faulty his mind untrustworthy but his imagination has made him remarkable. In some centuries, his imagination has made life on this planet an intense practice of all the lovelier energies. It has been established that whatever is maintained as an image in the mind will make its way into the outer world and manifest as a physical fact. This is not because we have changed the outer world, but because we are able to see there only those things that our consciousness is conditioned to perceive. By changing our consciousness, we alter our perception. Consciousness is generally altered by stimuli from the outer world. One born into money tends to develop a prosperity consciousness and thus to live all his life in a condition of plenty. Similarly, one born into a condition of poverty tends to develop a scarcity consciousness and thus to live all his life in a condition of scarcity. Insofar as this is true of each of us, we are slaves to our environment Yet the liberating tool lies within. Imagination. According to how we use this consciousness conditioning power of our minds, we are able to remake our lives. Imagination can condition your consciousness any way you choose. Properly used, it can make you master of all events, all circumstances, no longer need you exist as an equation of reaction to the things and events that surround you, but instead you may cast up within your mental being those images that most suit your inner goals and intents. Seeing these instead of opposition and discouragement, nothing under the sun can stop you from achieving them. Visualization. What a lovely thing is the power of the mind to visualize. Pageants, scenes, whole arenas of action may be cast up within the imagination, in full color and sound, at a moment's notice. What we choose to see within our minds, we see and this is the principal fact of our existence we are always no more or less than the things that take root in our consciousness and when we determine to keep out all that detracts and restricts and limits then we have taken our first step in making our lives a self-determined affair rather than a reaction the godlike part of man is mental, spiritual what is so astounding about his existence is not his hands or eyes or heart or liver or even brain But the fact that he thinks, visualizes, conceives, originates by an amazing gift of some genie he is able to choose what he will think and thereby determine his fate. All creativity stems from the relationship of the surface self with the secret self, from the dynamic effect of imagination upon the secret self. An author puts himself in tune with his muse by first subordinating his surface self to some power within, which he knows to be greatly and vastly effective. He then focuses his imagination on his story and his characters, and by a process that seems entirely independent of him, they begin to move and reveal themselves, and the story unfolds. He is not making it up. It is as real to him, more real in fact, than the chairs and desks in his room. What is happening in his mind is happening within him, and he acknowledges it immediately as being part of him, as changing him, as making him different than he was before the story came and the characters performed. Upon the moving screen of his mind, an intensely significant and highly symbolic drama is played, for what he visualizes there is taken unto him and becomes a part of him, and his consciousness is altered by it. It is not the author who creates the book, but the book that creates the author, just as we are all creations of the mental images and ideas and thoughts that have found a home in our minds, the seat of perfection. Each of us is an infant in the metamorphosis of the soul. Through myriad forms and an eternity of changing, we fancy ourselves as concrete things, something with boundaries, unchanging. And when we have occasion to refer to ourselves or examine ourselves introspectively, we believe we know what we refer to and are adamant in our avowal of self. The truth is, we neither know ourselves nor are we the same from one moment in our lives to the next. If we think of ourselves as bodies, our changing self becomes apparent. It is nearly impossible even for families to recognize a loved one after 30 years of absence. So greatly has the self altered and a little reflection upon the changing quality of consciousness is sure to give us some insight into the numberless selves our surface minds and egos have become since first appearing in the world. First the infant mulling and puking, then the schoolboy with his shining morning face, then the lover sighing like a furnace, then the soldier full of strange oaths, then the justice in fair round belly, then the lean and slippered pantaloon, then second childishness sans teeth sans eyes sans taste sans everything shakespeare indeed perceived the many masks donned by the secret self in its journey through life and the man who points to himself and charging his surface mind and ego to be recognized says i am this or i am that only bespeaks his tendency to become like the image in his mind the rest is illusion the emerging knowledge of self naturally brings with it a fear of the vast and impenetrable universe. There is no such fear in a cow who chewing cud and contented with pasture does not know itself as a cow or as anything. It simply exists as a complex bundle of nerves and blood and tissue reacting to situations that surround it according to a set of established reflexes called instincts. Since it does not see the stars, it does not wonder about the size of the world about whether it is separate from it or a part of it or even existing only imagination and increased awareness no self no ego and the service mind and this knowledge this contained and refined consciousness makes man different from all other forms of life to be aware of oneself is to be human to have arrived at that currently highest stage of evolutionary development of the secret self a number of individuals have evolved much further however and more are breaking through each day soon a new race of intellectual and spiritual giants will appear upon the earth as higher in consciousness as present-day man is above the ape to whom the secrets of space and time and dimension will be revealed making the entire universe home journeying from planet to planet star to star in this broad earth of ours amid the measureless grossness and the slag enclosed and safe within its central heart nestles the seed of perfection walt whitman stargazer it is often true that men who make astronomy their vocation have a philosophical turn of mind perhaps this is because the focus of their consciousness is among spaces that dwarf their physical selves and they cannot help but be concerned with the beginnings and ends of life with the destiny of man It does seem impossible to gaze into the incredible glowing vault of the heavens without becoming reverent with awe at the obvious handiwork of a supreme intelligence. In any case, Sterling became a student of philosophy at very nearly the same time that he became a student of astronomy, and he maintained throughout his career that one activity was simply an extension of the other. Yet, despite his efforts in both directions throughout the major part of his life, He had achieved no notable success in either he would say i suppose i'm just a reasonably good mechanic some people are born to put the pieces together after others think up the ideas i put pieces together yet it was easy to discern that he was far from pleased with this judgment of himself even though it seemed true in whatever observatory he worked he was given chart work to do theoretical probabilities and exploratory work were left to others Even in his philosophical endeavors, Sterling took a path. He became like a walking compendium of all the philosophy ever written. He could quote page and number from the works of Plato, Descartes, Hume, Locke, Lausay, the Bhagavad Gita. But even though he embraced all, none took root within him, and he professed no particular philosophy. Despite all his learning and all his studies, he seemed an intellectual bog, as if ideas simply would not take root in a soil so barren of germinating power. As it must to all men, time finally brought Sterling to a point in his life where he could look as far backward as it was possible to look forward, and what he saw distressed him. He suddenly was aware that the routine moves of his existence would not be bearable for another thirty years. He decided that either must find some other profession or discover new meaning in the one he had. He sought help. What is it? he asked that I am missing. It is almost as if some ingredient had been left out of me at birth, so that I am incapable of grasping the meaning of life. I see the design in all, in the heavens, in the logic and concentration of man's intellectual effort. But I cannot see what it has to do with me, why the simple fact of my existence has anything to do with the world and what is going on in it. Can you imagine a world without yourself in it, he was asked. Certainly, and I often think it would be much better." If you think it is possible that you once never existed at all, how can you feel you will continue to exist after this life is finished? I don't. I figure this is all. When the curtain comes down, that's finis. What about the design you mentioned, the obvious concerted effort of life towards some common goal? That belongs to somebody else, not to me. I can't even understand it, let alone be a part of it. How can you isolate yourself from the things you see about you? if all of life seems to be part of some central guiding intelligence surely you can see that you must be too if whatever is being done here is being done through the incarnations of some supreme being then each incarnation represents that supreme being and is not different or isolated from it perhaps not he said logic seems to support you i can only tell you how i feel and i feel left out not a part of what is going on then your trouble must be selfishness sterling nearly leaped out of his chair selfishness he exclaimed i have a wife and four children and i provide for them all i serve on the board of my church on the chamber of commerce and i belong to four service clubs seems to me that half my life is spent serving others how can you say i'm selfish i didn't mean that you lack concern for others i mean you are over concerned with yourself anyone who completely delimits and isolates his own being is selfish is egotistic because he cannot expand his consciousness beyond the limits he has imposed upon it he has no chance whatever of perceiving his unity with all life with all beings how does one go about this by trying by making an attempt as long as you continue to rail against the meaningless of life so long will you add substance to the veil for you are insisting the ego give it a reality that it does not truly have and therefore you are blinding yourself with it do you mean that simply by trying to know a higher consciousness one automatically achieves a higher consciousness? Perhaps it is that simple. Certainly when the human psyche opens itself to reception of a knowledge that lies beyond it, then, and only then, is it in a position to receive such knowledge. Is not this change in consciousness? What was closed and impenetrable now is open and receptive. That is the secret of increased awareness." Is this a solitary thing? Must one retire from the active life in order to achieve it? By no means. The best spot of all is the area of your daily work and activity. If you'll get outside yourself in each thing you do and make a deliberate effort to feel and think from the standpoint of others who are involved in events with you, then you will find that door in your consciousness will be opened. Light will shine through. Sterling decided to give it a try, he stated that his exploration of the heavens had always been a thing apart from him. He had peered into space as if he were an interloper, and the only thing that had been revealed to him was that he was an indiscernible speck upon an indiscernible speck. He decided to work on the theory that the entire heavens were within his own consciousness. The idea intrigued him. Several months later, he discovered a new novae. Within a year, he presented a paper elucidating upon the constant creation of hydrogen it was widely acclaimed he made this statement to his friends it is impossible to penetrate the heart of a matter if one is detached from it in some kind of mysterious way we all share the same consciousness and when we manage to break down the walls that separate us from the things we are doing we are able to grasp their meaning by a kind of direct apprehension i suppose you could call this intuition but actually it is a great deal more it is absolute knowing through being the thing you are attempting to know. If this sounds mysterious, I can only say it happened to me. I found a novae, not because I saw it, but because I knew it was there. I was able to help on the constant creation theory, not because I am a mathematical genius, but because I knew deep inside me that it was so. Expressing the Unexpressed Carl Jung wrote, Since we cannot develop backwards into animal consciousness... There remains only the more strenuous way forwards into higher consciousness. Nearly all human ills, fears, guilts, hostilities and frustrations stem from the fact that we no longer have the insistence of animals, but have not yet expanded our awareness beyond the limits of our surface selves. As long as we remain chained to our surface selves, life will be a burden which we are not fit to cope with. Strange how different it is to convey this simple message. The delusion of separate ego self is so strong in many people that no amount of persuasion, example, or proof can dissuade them from their illusory consciousness. As long as it works, it's okay with me, seems to be their conclusion, and they do not see that it isn't working at all, that they are only automatons moved about by their reactions to outside stimuli. As long as they acquire sufficient material comforts, they are satisfied with the present level of consciousness are bound to insentience, do not aspire, so cannot possibly expand. To live in the somnolent awareness of the animal fulfills no areas of the soul. If man carries within him any portion of that which is infinite and eternal, then it becomes his obligation to express it. If he does not, he loses his soul. That which is unexpressed in the end becomes non-existent. Something has moved constantly upward and onward through the eons of time since the beginning of the universe. It gathered itself through the slime and mist of first creation, animated the darkest corners of the earth, the depths of the sea, the most arid of deserts. Wherever space and substance is, there also life must be, for nothing truly is inanimate in all creation. One mind, one intelligence, one life seeks an ever more complete and manifold expression of its hidden and unrevealed self. All things are made from one thing, Develop in one direction, and all paths converge in some infinite place where each shall find his home in the heart of the secret self. We are that very thing that has fashioned the earth and the planets, whose infinite intelligence and myriad design is found in the complex geometry of four dimensional space, the complicated cohesion of the atom. We have only to resign the mask we present to others and ourselves to let go of ego and seek residence in a wider range of consciousness and there will be revealed to us at once a living universe of which we are not only the center but which we completely contain higher planes of consciousness there are planes of consciousness that no one yet has penetrated waiting for the intellectual adventurer is a whole host of unexplored realms of the mind man may have crossed the oceans and visited the poles may even now by venturing into space but thus far he does not even know his origin his destiny these lie hidden in the dormant layers of his consciousness the unavoidable cause of all things is mind before anything material anything substantive was ever made there had to be prior knowledge of such creation and that prior knowledge could only be held by an intellectual being a mind it therefore follows that in the crucible of creation the thought always precedes the thing that thoughts themselves are things in the process of being formed. The nature of existence is to be conscious. To be conscious is to think. To think is to give form to thought, for all consciousness is motor, and the moment a thought impresses itself upon consciousness, consciousness sets about giving it form. Everything that exists then exists by virtue of consciousness. It is made from nothing but primal intelligence, exists because it is idea or thought in the mind of primal intelligence insofar as the creation of things embodies a degree of the primal intelligence the thing so created and the intelligence so embodied approximates the intelligence of the creator the thing created becomes ever more like its creator is only different because of the limitations imposed upon it by the idea which gave it form power to change as increased awareness creeps into each created thing so there comes to it a liberation from bondage to the idea that originally gave it form so it becomes possible for the created thing because of its reaching out to unite with the dynamic of primal intelligence to achieve the power of that intelligence in direct ratio to its apprehension in other words a man is not bound to his limitations because he has been created a certain way He can turn to the wider consciousness that lies within him, call upon it to manifest in his life, to expand his awareness, perception, knowledge, effectively becoming a different and better person than he thus far has grown to be. Surely this must be the purpose of life itself, that the created expressions of some great and primal intelligence grow into full knowledge and awareness of that intelligence, and by so doing unite the world and all within it is the expression of the divine which is never more than partially revealed in each of its numberless and varied expressions but which is fully inherent in each of those expressions. All the power of the secret self lies within you. Some tiny portion of this great creator was not cut off and installed. All of it is hidden within you, lies dormant there, ready and able to enlarge your life to the same degree that you are able to free yourself from From ego-imposed bonds The hidden cause of all things is the primal mind that lies behind creation And it delivers to each creature according to the consciousness of each creature According to the image in the mind What we are witness to in the world is an incessant parade of thoughts becoming things Not because thoughts create things But because we only perceive the things that occupy our consciousness as thought in essence all things possible of mental visualizing are already in existence or in order that they be visualized at all they must already have been conceived in the mind of the ultimate intelligence therefore there is no such thing as a new thought or new idea from the standpoint of the secret self but each idea or thought is only new from the standpoint of the individual consciousness which apprehends it as soon as this idea takes root In the individual consciousness, the individual soon perceives its material counterpart in the world. It then seems that the idea created the thing, but in actuality, the thing was there all the while. It existed in the mind of the secret self and awaited only perception by the individual consciousness. We see only what we are. It is an established fact that half a dozen people can stand on a street corner and each see things that are imperceptible to the others because of the different qualities of their consciousness. One man might be a realtor and be primarily concerned with the value of a vacant lot. Another might be a doctor and be preoccupied with the erratic gait of a pedestrian. Another might be an advertising man with his attention focused on a vacant billboard atop the drugstore. Still another might be an old lady concerned with the speed of the traffic. There might be an automobile salesman whose attention is riveted upon the new model of a competitor. There might be a contractor who observes that the drugstore needs painting. Such a list is endless. Because of the infinite variety of the human species, it would surely be impossible for any two people, out of any number of combinations, to see exactly the same things on the same street corner. What we see is always a result of our consciousness. We see only that which already has been cast up as mental image in our minds and we see only that which we are there is no liberation from this fact it is the basic law of existence it can be used to restrict consciousness or it can be used to expand consciousness but work it must and always by using it and we cannot help using it we either shrivel our souls or expand them there is no in between we are cursed or blessed from within And upon the judgment seat sits our ego, a false judge to be sure, an illusion to begin with. When we subordinate ego to secret self, then we are able to expand consciousness and increase awareness. To fully use the law of growth and power, but as long as the ego remains king, that long will be slaves to a tyrant which imprisons our consciousness within narrow boundaries. Trailblazers The path that mankind treads toward discovery of unity with the secret self is sure. Such discovery is the goal of evolution. The earth one day will be occupied by a race of intellectual and spiritual giants in whom the secret self is fully revealed. Meanwhile, the path is not blazoned and trailblakers proceed singly. Set oil along it, if you will. There will be as much satisfaction in the journey as in the destination for adventure is here. Soul-stirring excitement. Profound intellectual stimulation. Behind you, aroused, slightly coming slowly, but always following, is all humanity. Wrote Thomas Carlyle, the lightning spark of thought, generated or say rather, heaven kindled, in the solitary mind awakens its express likeness in another mind, in a thousand other minds, and all blaze up together in a combined fire. And this concludes. This chapter, The Greatest Magic of All by U.S. Anderson There's lots of great stuff that we can pull from this But the key is That we exist within a universal mind And that we are limited by our own ego mind But if we can expand our thinking And understand that everything that you see Is an expression of this mind The tree is an expression of this mind Your cat is an expression of this mind We are an expression of this universal mind And when we want to manifest something or see something in the world around us, we find it within. And we are not actually creating that thing, it is being revealed to us, to our perception in consciousness. All lack and limitation and malfunction that touches our lives is carried in our mind and is created there because of our ego. And so if we can release these lack thoughts, these fear-based thoughts, and think more expansively from a larger scale, understanding who we are and what we are. And we have this secret self within us that is our true self. The ego individual self that we have now is changing constantly. It's not the same as it was when you were a kid. And it limits our ability to utilize this universal mind. And if we can overcome this ego-based thinking, we enter into a larger world that allows us to manifest whatever it is we want. You can find all episodes of The Reality Revolution at therealityrevolution.com and welcome to The Reality Revolution.